Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is a presentation from the 2021 Pod Partnership Opportunities and Drug Delivery Conference with Dr. Barbara Leukel, Global Head of Research Technologies Partnering at Roche Pharma Partnering. It is her presentation on a year in review on highlights on what was happening in drug delivery. And so although this presentation was from late 2021, it was such a crucial time in drug delivery that it remains such an interesting talk. So for more information about uh, the POD conference, our editorial podcasts and webinars, please visit podconference.com, and that's pod, P-O-D-D, conference.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. All right. Thank you, Valerie, for the very, very kind introduction. Um, and a warm welcome also from my side uh, to the 11th edition of the Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference. It is yet again a virtual one, but at least different to last year. We now have the vaccines, and so I'm pretty confident that in 2022 we are all sitting together. Uh, we're all sitting together again in a ballroom, and frankly, I really can't wait for that. Now, I'm also convinced, knowing that you are such a dedicated crowd to the topic of drug delivery, that this will become a very lively event. And in that spirit, I would like to kick us all off um, by answering a very simple question. What is it that you would like to get out of this year's PODD conference? I encourage you to just fire away using the chat function on Zoom and, um, and share your thoughts um, with, with the broad audience, the audience that unfortunately I right now don't see. Um, and meanwhile, uh, let me actually start with some reflections. Um, it's not starting with the drug delivery universe, but actually with the drug modality universe and a new one called messenger RNA in a lipid nanoparticle obviously took center stage uh, given the COVID-19 vaccines. And we will hear a lot more about this um, amazing development in various different sessions throughout this conference, and I'm really looking forward to that. Now you see a broad range of therapeutic modalities, and that is um, just for all the approved products. And uh, you obviously recognize that there are even more modalities currently under clinical development. Now this breadth of modalities continues to necessitate innovation in drug delivery. And it's also interesting to reflect on just the speed of approvals happening for any such uh, type of modality. For example, in April of this year, the 100th antibody, the anti-PD-1 antibody by GSK, was approved by the FDA. And this is 35 years after the approval of the first antibody. The interesting piece to it is that it took 29 years to approve the first 50 and only six years to approve the second 50 antibodies. So, and with that speed, you can imagine how some of the um, shown bubbles here will increase the number of approved medicines. Closely related to antibodies are the antibody drug conjugates. And also here, um, this year, saw so the 12th ADC being approved, another auristatin payload conjugated in this case to a tissue factor directed IgG1. And in some ways, ADCs are a form of drug delivery because the chemotherapeutic being linked to a targeting um, antibody is thereby brought uh, to the tumor cells. 
In the bucket of proteins, we also had a recent interesting um, innovative um, approval, namely an enzyme for Pompe disease. It's a glycogen storage disorder where basically a mutation in the gene for glycosidase as an enzyme is causing glycogen buildup predominantly in muscle cells, which is obviously interfering with their function. And in order to deliver the enzyme, Sanofi got a new product being approved called Nexviazyme. And in this case, the enzyme was chemically conjugated with multiple bismanose 6-phosphate tetramonose moieties. And what does this help with? It's basically um, a way to increase the uptake of this enzyme through the manose 6-phosphate receptor to the cells and later on to the lysosome of these cells so the enzyme can become as effective as possible. So it's a conjugation approach for improved delivery. The space of oligonucleotides also continues to be a very exciting one, given its multiple modes of actions, not just silencing, also um, splice modification, and in some way, uh, guide RNAs, which are being used in the area of gene editing or RNA editing to bring the modifying enzyme to a specific site in either the RNA or the DNA, can also be regarded as a special form of oligonucleotides. And we've seen gene editing approaches by now also reach the clinic. So I'm looking forward to the day when we can discuss an approved gene editing medicine at PODD. Uh, looking a bit more into detail to some of the specific um, products that reveal the importance of drug delivery. And um, uh, with the, the decade review last year, I'm looking again just back to the last year to PODD 2020. The first thing I'd like to highlight is another product in the space of oral peptide delivery. Octreotide is a peptide used to treat acromegaly, and many of you um, are aware of the microparticle-based depot formulations. Now, in this case, Chiasma used what's called the transient permeation enhancement technology to render that product into an oral, that peptide into an oral dosage form. Um, as a twice daily capsule administration, and in order to um, avoid the impact of food on absorption, the patient needs to take them with a glass of water on an empty stomach. The formulation uh, comprises the drug, PVP, um, and the enhancer sodium caprylate to be dispersed in water, milled, and lyophilized. And then this lyophilized powder is further dispersed in a matrix of polysorbide 80 and glycerol mono and tricaprylate. We also saw the approval, the first ones in seven years, of a conjugated peptide, um, PEC40, which is a known entity uh, for half-life extension, is conjugated to two moieties of a peptide in Empaveli. And um, this dosage form then um, reduces administration frequency and enables, in this case, twice weekly subcutaneous infusion using an infusion pump uh, to treat PNH. We also saw the second approval by the FDA of the Galnac SARNA uh, conjugate um, approach with Lumaziran and um, different to Onpatro as the LNP formulation, which is an infusion, the conjugate approach enables once more subcutaneous, convenient subcutaneous administration in a quite simple um, aqueous buffet formulation. 
And I'd also like to remind all of us, as we will also have um, discussions around this topic during part about the importance of the toolbox for polysoluble uh, technologies. Um, just highlighting uh, two drugs here. Umbralizib is a PS3 kinase inhibitor uh, in oncology, and that uses a cyclodextrin derivative for solubilization. And then voclosporin as a cyclosporin derivative, the first drug to be approved for lupus nephritis is making use of a microemulsion formulation principle. Um, other um, noteworthy drug delivery innovations are again in the field of depot formulations, but in this case, not long, uh, multiple month microparticle based, rather a couple of days um, in the context of surgical interventions where the depot is placed locally um, in the cavity where the surgery um, has been taking place. So it, uh, it addresses uh, the um, sustained release um, after surger surgical interventions for the anesthetic bupivacaine in, in, in the other case also together with an anti-inflammatory drug. Now, Posimir is interesting because it is the first time that the um, carrier sucrose acetate isobutyrate is being approved um, for a marketed product. And Zinrelef is interesting because it is the second product that is using the biochronomer family of polymers, which are polyautoesters, and in this case, the product is dissolved in triacetin and DMSO. Another drug delivery area to highlight is also a field that will be discussed uh, during uh, this uh, year's conference, namely the dosage forms for our uh, youngest patients, pediatric dosage forms, and Bilve is a uh, small molecule um, used to treat um, uh, puritus uh, for a, a certain familial um, intrahepatic cholestasis disease. And the patients are actually three months and older. And so this dosage form is making use of pellets that are um, provided in capsules. And the caregiver is asked to disperse those pellets into applesauce or carrot puree, so those really young patients can um, safely and easily um, administer that drug. And another small molecule in that um, same field of ileal bile acid transport inhibitors by the commercial name of Liv Marley has also been um, approved in this case for itching in the context of a disease called allergy syndrome um, and thereby the dosage form to enable administration to patients as young as one year is a flavored solution based on water and polyethyl and propylene glycol. And staying with the theme of uh, really facilitating administration for young children, only last month we saw the um, approval of the first once weekly uh, human growth hormone therapy uh, for children one year and older, 11 and a half kilogram and heavier. And um, this product is being brought to the market by uh, Ascendis Pharma, which is also the inventor of the Transcon um, technology. And in this case, the growth hormone is linked uh, via a proprietary Transcon linker to a carrier, um, which um, um, I presume has some PEC components. Um, and that carrier basically prevents the rapid clearance once administered subcutaneously. And the transcon linker is auto cleavable and slowly releases the growth hormone over time. And the free growth hormone can then easily bind to its receptor. 
The drug uh, product is provided as dual chamber cartridges with a lyophilized um, conjugated protein in one and the diluent water in the other one. And it also comes with a electronic re reusable auto injector, which does not only enable automated reconstitution, but after manual mixing, also subcutaneous administration. And thereby really changing um, the treatment um, burden for children that for the last three decades basically had to take at this age group daily injections. And uh, staying on the theme of reducing treatment burdens, um, this month um, Susvimo was approved. This is to treat red um, AMD, which is, as you know, the leading cause of blindness in the uh, population of 60 years and older. It is a novel way to administer ranibizumab um, in a high, higher concentrated formulation than the intravitual one, namely 100 mg per mil. And it is administered using what was called the port delivery system. And it's a surgical implant that is placed in an outpatient procedure and um, filled with this concentrated solution that is gradually released over time into the intravitreal cavity. This enables only two treatments per year, the lowest frequency of any anti-VGF uh, treatment. So clearly, um, big improvements uh, that drug delivery and devices all together make to reduce treatment burden and enhance compliance. With that, I would like to switch over to what I call the new kid on the approved block, messenger RNA. And I found uh, a good uh, Nature Reviews um, article looking at about 31 companies with uh, about 180 publicly disclosed uh, programs in preclinical and clinical development. And here you see the basically the three main pillars of using messenger RNA, uh, the prophylactic vaccines, the therapeutic vaccines, and the therapeutics, where we ask basically the body to make the protein rather than administering the protein itself, the therapeutic protein. And it is evident that in the prophylactic vaccine space, the majority of applications is in the infectious diseases space, while in the therapeutic vaccine space, it's predominantly in the cancer area. And coming to therapeutics, it's spread across a broader range of disease areas. Looking at companies, um, uh, those that have at least one mRNA candidate and more in their pipeline, the largest uh, fraction there is in the prophylactic vaccine space, followed by the therapeutic space. And looking uh, on the right-hand side to the development stage of mRNA products, obviously given the COVID vaccines, we have approved products in the prophylactic vaccine pillar. We have the largest fractions of preclinical programs in the portfolio uh, for the therapeutics, and the largest fraction of uh, clinical development programs in the portfolio in the therapeutic vaccine category. And I'm really looking forward to uh, talking more about this at. Um, our pod conferences in the future, how this overall field will develop. Now, the COVID um, mRNA LNP-based vaccine um, obviously was developed in a still mind-boggling, amazing time frame last year, but it was also built on the knowledge buildup um, in that space over a, a number of decades. And again, a very nice Nature article looking at both the modality, the lipid delivery, and then the combination of the two um, across um, 
the, the time access and what enabled the uh, emergency use approval end of last year and uh, by now uh, also BLA approval. The mRNA um, function itself was only discovered in the 1960s and then in the early 1990s uh, the first red experiment was performed to actually show that mRNA can be given um, and, and uh, will um, enable protein translation um, in vivo. But this wouldn't have been a therapeutic um, um, opportunity um, if not for the super important discovery of the nucleotide modifications by Weizmann and Carrico, which showed in 2005 um, that um, which modifications needed to be inserted into the messenger RNA such that it can evade the immune detection by the body. In the lipid uh, field, obviously, many things started with liposomes um, long before mRNA was a, a therapeutic modality. Um, and then the LNP field advanced thanks to SRNA. Um, and uh, apparently, the first mRNA vaccine in a lipid nanoparticle in mice was only tested about 10 years ago. And here we go with our two um, approved um, COVID vaccines using this principle. Now, you know that uh, for mRNA, the LNP uh, package is super important to enable this modality to get into cells. And it is uh, due to important learnings for another modality, silencing RNA, that um, this field could advance also so rapidly for mRNA. Um, in 2012, um, this publication on the left-hand side shows very nicely how one of the four components, the ionizable lipid, was recognized uh, for its importance, um, in including the very specific um, PKA um, that should be maintained to enable a safe but also a very efficacious delivery, enhancing endosomal escape. And the MC3 lipid was born out of um, a systematic effort looking at, at, at multiple of those um, ionizable lipids as a very potent one that was eventually the one that made it into the onpatro SARNA product uh, for Partizaran. Now, um, fast forwarding to messenger RNAs, an additional while preserving the PKA um, importance um, innovation was layered onto this, namely the more cone-shaped morphology of the lipid tail of this ionizable lipid using branched uh, lipids, as you see it here for the Acuitas lipid for the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine, as well as uh, the uh, different one for the Moderna vaccine. And this different morphology is important to further um, enhance endosomal escape uh, because these lipids are even less compatible with the phospholipid bilayer of the endosome. Now, this ionizable lipid is obviously just one component um, in a formulation and um, ultimately just one component in the final product. And I'm really looking forward throughout this conference to learn more about this journey of developing the COVID vaccines, starting with the first published sequence of the spike protein using the proline uh, modifications to present uh, the protein uh, in a way uh, that can trigger the, the right immune response, sort of transcribing this backwards into mRNA, putting it into the right LNP formulation, um, and not only manufacturing it um, with the right quality, but also at this massive scale that finally enabled rollout uh, to the world, and all of this in less than a year. With that, 
I am ready to uh, transition us to the next session, uh, which is a keynote session with Professor Bob Langer. And uh, I had the chance to talk with him and uh, we pre-recorded this session. And uh, Bob Langer is such a committed contributor to PDD. He was there also from the first edition onwards. And being a co-founder in Moderna, and obviously also giving, given his decades-long pioneering contribution to the space of drug delivery, we had the chance to reflect what all enabled the amazing drug delivery innovation that we benefit from today. Many thanks, um, and um, looking forward to the next session. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the POD conference, our editorial podcasts and webinars, please visit podconference.com. That's P-O-D-D conference.com.